0: When you accept Christ as your Savior, follow Him publicly in believers' baptism, that's the beginning, not the end. There's a journey in front of you. Starting today, we're going to be talking about that journey. What does it mean to follow Christ? Last Sunday on Easter, we, um, we focused on the price that Jesus paid, the terrible death He died, so we could have a relationship with Him. And I, I left the cross up for one more Sunday to remind us that the one we're following is a crucified but resurrected Lord. And there's, some, there's a lesson in Jesus' experience for what it means for us to, to follow him. So we're going to talk about that for the next few weeks. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And Peter, uh, one of the disciples, one of the followers, is going to be our example that we'll learn from. But I want to begin by asking you, how many of you remember what these are? Do you know what this is? There you go. I'm trying not to hit you, but what are those? Do you know what those are? Have you ever seen one of those? No? Does that make you feel old? These are maps. I think I threw you maps of, what, Tennessee and the state of Maine. All right, here's, here's West Virginia. You remember when you would travel, you had to have these? And if, if you were going to... To be in another part of the country and gone for a long time, you, you took several of these with you. My the glove box of my cars used to be stuffed with with maps, and and if you were in a metropolitan area and needed a city map, so this is Orlando. I remember when I lived in Louisville, I had the book, you know, with the multi, you know 100 pages for that city. Here's Charleston, South Carolina. Here's a North Carolina map, and um, you, you'd travel and you'd plan your trip by taking out a map open it up, and you take a colored highlighter and you would highlight the, the route you would follow. Remember? And all the turns. Then you'd take a sheet of paper and you'd write, you know, take exit so-and-so and big, so you could refer to it while you're trapped. You remember those days? And then modern advances and you could buy a GPS. I remember I bought my first GPS for Christmas several years ago at Sears. You remember those? You'd you pluck them into the cigarette lighter to keep them charged. And then you'd either, with that gadget, you'd attach it to the windshield or on the dashboard of your car. Remember that? And you could see the little map, and it would speak to you, that British voice, that lady with the British voice. And, and it wasn't the interstate. What what'd they call it? What an inter, what, what that British voice, uh, not the interstate, the motorway? motorway. Yeah, it took me forever to figure out what the motorway was. And uh, she'd tell you how to go and when to turn and all that. And it'd it sometimes be frustrating because you'd have to pull over to the side of the road and type in your destination and make sure it was the right one. And you mess up and have to start over. And and, and you had to check the route because sometimes, uh, was it Garmin? Is that what they were called? Garmin? Was that one of them? Would take you the wrong way. They, they wouldn't always take you the best way. I mean, if you put it into most GPSs to go to the beach, it always took you through downtown Florence. They never could figure that out. That's not the best way to get to the beach from here. And uh, and so you'd you'd be driving up down the interstate and you'd have that thing stuck on your windshield. Some of you still have those on your dashboard. And then it got so much better. I mean, it's amazing what a smartphone will do. You call people. You take pictures. You have all your photographs on here. Your email. I read all my sports and news on this. Don't subscribe to the paper anymore. I just turn this on and catch up on sports. Watch programs on here. Any of y'all do that? Watch stuff. Play games on here. And this is your GPS. And you're going to go somewhere. I just hit the button. Hey Siri, I want to go so and so. And uh, She tells me how to get there and I just lay this in the car and it gives me directions and a mile before I'm supposed to turn it tells me it's a lot easier now, right? Earlier this week I was at the the hospital up in Charlotte at CMC early one morning for a member who was having surgery and uh, I was in a pre-op room, had prayer and went back out to the waiting room and Another relative wanted to go back and see this person. But, you know, hospitals are sort of like old churches that have been added on too many times. They're a maze and can get really confusing, and you can't really tell people how to go to a different part of the hospital. You just get lost. You know what I'm talking about? And so I, I was guiding this relative, through, you, know, go, you know, here's back to the pre-op room so they could see their relative before surgery that morning. Now, I could have stood there and said, you know, you go down this hall. When you get to this desk, you turn left, then you turn right, and then you go to the corner, and then you do this. But it was so much easier and safer just to walk with them. And if you're in a strange place, big city, and you're trying to go somewhere, I mean, you can have good directions. You can have a GPS. But the easiest way to get around is for you to sit in the passenger seat and somebody to drive who lives there and knows their way around really, really well. That's always the easiest, right? Well, following Jesus is sort of like that. Too, too many of us still live in the days of just maps. Too, too, too many of us, when it comes to following Jesus, it's we've got all these instructions. We've got all these do's and don'ts and this list and turn here and go there. And, and following instructions is okay and, and sometimes you get there, but sometimes you get lost because you just don't remember the instructions or they're a little confusing or whatever and you just don't, don't quite make it, Right? See, following Jesus, He gives us instructions. He gives us a road map. But the truth, the truth of the matter, as we as we think about following Jesus these next few weeks, the essence of it is: I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and Jesus is driving the car. The essence of following Jesus is a relationship. It's not too, too many of us have made our Christianity about. Rules, about lists, about do's and don'ts, and there's a place for that. But if that's all your Christianity is, it's lacking. And it's not as fun as it should be, and it's not as easy as it could be. Because following Jesus means that you're with Him, He's with you. It's a relationship, there's an intimacy, you're together. And that's, that's a whole lot more than just Jesus giving us a bunch of directions about where to go and what to do. It's about he's going someplace and we're going with him. We are together. Now, I said we're going to use Peter as our example. Peter was one of the 12 disciples. And Peter received two invitations to follow Jesus Christ. One was in the very beginning. It's found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. It's also found in Matthew. When Jesus was just beginning His public ministry and one day Peter was fishing with his brother and his father and uh, he and Jesus had had some previous conversations and Jesus looks at him and says, It's time to decide. Now, Peter, come, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. That's the first invitation to follow Jesus. The second invitation Peter received happened about three years later. It was after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus just before he went back to the Father in heaven. Peter again was fishing. This time with some of the disciples, and Jesus shows up, and uh, they're having a conversation. And Jesus is talking to Peter and John and some of the others about the future, about their individual futures. And 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 Peter's more intrigued by what Jesus is saying to John. He wants that. And and Jesus looks at him and says, "John," says Peter, "Peter, what what I what I'm asking John to do." the the directions I have for John, my purpose for John, my plans for John, that's none of your business. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the essence of what Jesus told Peter that day. It's none of your business. Peter, would you stop looking at everybody else? Would you stop worrying about everybody else? Would you stop comparing yourself to everybody? Just stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Here's what I've got for you, Peter. You ready? Follow me. Now, don't, don't worry about where I asked John to go or what I asked John to do. Peter, do what I'm asking you to do. Go where I'm asking you to go. Peter, follow me. That's simple. Peter, just follow me. Now, in between those two invitations were the three years that Peter spent with Jesus during his public ministry. Following Jesus, listening to Jesus, learning from Jesus. After the second invitation, Jesus went to, fo- to, went to heaven And Peter would spend the rest of his life following Jesus, doing ministry, living for the Lord. And so Peter spent the bulk of his adulthood, if you will, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And there are times when he did it really well and times when he struggled. But he grew. And he never stopped following. He followed Jesus to the very end of life on earth. So we're going to look at a few of the experiences in Peter's life that are recorded in the Gospels and in the book of Acts over the next few weeks and learn about following Jesus. What does that really mean? What does it look like? And we're going to begin with that first invitation found in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. If you really want to understand what it means to follow Jesus, just look at that one verse because it really tells us everything we need to know. One preacher has, has said the definition of what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Christ, the definition is found in the invitation. When Jesus invited Peter to follow him, he defined what that meant, what, what that looked like. So today we're going to break that verse down. And I want to tell you that this may be the more challenging of all the messages in this series. Because Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you count the cost. Know what you're getting yourself into. This is not just about being saved. This is not just about being forgiven. This is not just about going to heaven. It is about all of that, but it is about more than that. It is about following me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. So three things from that verse, from the invitation about following Jesus, about being a disciple of Jesus. And the first is this, very simple. Following Jesus means that you are someone that has surrendered to his lordship. It means that you have allowed him to be the Lord of your life. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Now that that verse says, follow me. The King James translates it very accurately when it says, come after or follow after me. Because in the original text, the Greek of the New Testament is actually two words. One to follow, to come, and the other after, to follow behind, to come along with, to walk behind me. is literally what that means. In ancient times, rabbis and philosophers and teachers would have disciples. They would have followers who would walk around with them, who would live with them, hang out with them, learn from their rabbi, learn from their teachers. They were called followers and disciples. Well, today... We talk about someone being a follower of something. He's a follower of Islam. He's a follower of this philosophy. He's a follower of that sports team. He's a, and that means that, that you pay attention to, you're committed to, you care about, etc. But following Jesus is more than just being interested in him. It's more than just walking around physically with Jesus, so to speak. Following Jesus means you and I have accepted his invitation to be his disciple, to be his follower. It means we attach ourselves to Him. We have affection for Him. And as the gospel say, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. We care about Him. We love Him. Following Jesus means we have accepted His authority in our life. If He says go here, we go there. Wherever He goes, we go. Whatever He says do, that's what we do. We accept His authority in our life. Following Jesus means that we are being influenced by Him, shaped by by him, that he is setting the course and the direction of our life, and we are becoming more like him. He's rubbing off on us because we hang out with him, therefore he rubs off on us, and we look increasingly like him. Think, talk, act, etc. Now I want you to notice what Jesus said about following him. He said, Peter, follow me, and I'll make you become pictures of men. Well, notice some other verses. John chapter 12 on the screen in your notes. The Bible says, G- Jesus is speaking. He says, if anyone serves me, he must what? Follow me. And where I am, what? Where I am, that's where my servant is going to be. That following Jesus means you are where he is. You go where. Where he goes. He sets the direction of your life. That's lordship. It's lordship. Recently in Turkey, it's a true story. In Turkey recently, over a thousand sheep, over one thousand sheep walked off a cliff. It started because one of them did it. And it's been said for centuries that sheep are not the smartest animals on the planet. One of them walked off the cliff. Over a thousand followed. Now, not all of them died. Hundreds did. But those in the middle and toward the end had the advantage of this big, white, fluffy cushion. (laughs) We all follow people. We follow our emotions. We follow our passions. We follow our impulses. We follow our own thinking. We follow some philosophy. We follow some idea, some attitude. We follow people. We follow stuff. And we're not always the brightest creatures. Sometimes we follow people and we follow our emotions right off the cliff, right? Right? Some of you have fallen more than once because you followed your emotions, you followed your own brain, you followed someone you shouldn't have, you followed the crowd, you followed a friend, you followed whomever right off the cliff. A dumb sheep will lead you off the cliff. And when you follow Jesus, you go where he goes, but he's not going to lead you off the cliff. but you go where he goes. Jesus in Luke 9 said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must do something. What is it? Deny himself. See, it's not about you. It's about him. Take up his cross daily. Last Sunday, we looked very clearly at Jesus being willing to take up the cross to endure a bloody Ugly, terrible, horrible, painful death so we could have life. And Jesus said, when you follow me, it means you deny yourself and you take up your cross. The cross is a place of death. When you follow Jesus, it means you die to yourself and you live for him. Your life is not your own. The Bible says you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your life. Following Jesus means He's Lord. I die to me and live for Him. He's Lord. Now, let's be honest. None of us fully understand that when we first begin our journey as Christians, correct? I didn't. Did you? Now, I had a sense that I was giving my life to Jesus, meant I'm supposed to live for Him, be different, obey Him. But I didn't. There was no way I could fully appreciate as a teenager when I first gave my heart to Jesus what it meant to die to self and live for Christ, That is something that happens as I grow and live. I understand it more and more. And the truth is, I'm not going to fully grasp it until I'm in heaven because every day, every day, I have to make that decision again and again and again. And at different seasons in life, I'm faced with different circumstances and different decisions and different situations. And I have to make that decision all over. Am I today, in this moment, in this environment, going to die to self and live for Christ? And that's the reason he said, take up your cross how often? Daily. It's an ongoing daily decision because, see, any time along this journey, I can choose to not die to self. Any time in this journey, I can choose to make life all about me and my impulses and my passions and so on. And any time in life, I can choose to get off the path of following Jesus and follow the crowd and follow my friends and follow whomever. And so Jesus says every day you got to make the decision. Are you going to take up your cross? Are you going to die to self? Are you going to follow me? Because following me is a lifelong journey. In John 14, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will what? Keep my word. That means obey me. Do what I say. You ever said to your kids when they ask you why? Because I said so? Huh? It's not very effective, but... Uh, We've all said it. I said it. You kids have heard that, haven't you, because I said so? Well, Jesus means it when he says it. Keep my word. You love me? Keep my word. Do what I say. You want to follow me? That's what it looks like. I put in your notes, on your note sheet, kind of an exam, if you will. Check the statements you agree with. I believe Jesus is my Savior and Lord. Do you agree? Now, no, just don't answer it out loud, but you, did, would you, could you check that box? Yeah, Jesus is my Savior and Lord. What about the second one? Jesus is my master and boss. Now, that's a modern way of saying lordship. What does it really mean for Jesus to be your Lord? It means he's your master. He's your boss. Could you check that? I follow Jesus as my Lord. Could you check that? Could you honestly check? I obey his commandments. Do you tend to obey Jesus? Now, I know none of us are perfect, but do you tend to obey Jesus? Or or, I I believe Jesus, but I know I need to get better at doing this thing. In Mark 1, when Jesus said to Peter, and again, it wasn't his first conversation, but after some conversations, he said, Peter, come and follow me. Follow after me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And then verse 18, the very next verse says, and immediately, immediately, he accepted the invitation and he left the nets. He left everything and he began following Jesus. You see, when you follow Jesus, you don't stay where you already are. When you don't, when when you, when you follow Jesus, you don't stay the way you were. There's a journey of movement. There's a journey of growth. There's a journey of change. And so what is Jesus, as you follow him today, calling you to leave behind? Peter had to leave behind his nets, his career. God had something different for him. Now, I'm not asking you what did Jesus ask you to leave behind when you began following him ten years ago, five years ago, one year ago one month ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whenever it was. I'm not asking what Jesus asked you to leave behind then. I'm asking you at this new season in your life, at this era in your life, what is Jesus today talking to you about leaving behind so that you can continue moving forward? What is he asking you to change today, to, to, to be different about today? Because growth is about continual change. What's he asking you to leave behind today? And he asked Peter to take up a new career. What's Jesus asking you to take up today? What's he asking you to do, to become? That's lordship. Following Jesus is a journey. It's not just about going to heaven. Now here's number two. One who follows Jesus is one who's becoming more like Jesus, becoming Christ-like. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become. Make you become. The phrase, will make, is future. See, when you give your life to Jesus, yes, you're transformed and you're saved and you're forgiven and you become a member of the family of God, but that's not the end. That's the start. And in the future, Jesus is making. He's changing. He's doing in your life. It's continual. And the word make means to endow someone. This Greek word translated make is to endow someone with a certain quality or a certain position to appoint them. When the gospels say that Jesus appointed the twelve as his disciples, it's this Greek word made. Make. He endowed them. He appointed them as his twelve. And so when you follow Jesus, he says, Now you come and follow me, and I become your Lord. I make you, I appoint you, I assign to you, I endow you with something. And that is to become. I appoint to you that you are to continually be becoming. And to become means to be shaped or changed or patterned after something to be formed after something. Any you, are there any woodworkers in the room? Any seamstresses? Any, what do you call that, crochet and knit, knit needle stuff y'all do, needle, all that stuff? You have a, a pattern. You have a picture. You have a form, and you copy. You follow it. That's what this word is getting at. That, that Jesus says, When you follow me, I appoint you, I enhance you, I assign to you that you are going to become, you are going to be shaped throughout your future, created, changed. And what's the pattern? Romans eight twenty nine. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. When God called you to salvation, he predestined, predetermined that you would be conformed to the image of his Son. come more like Him. Now, I've said again, I've said already, let me say it again, that, that I'm not going to, this, is not, this work is not going to be complete in my life until the resurrection. Okay? I'm going to be an imperfect copy on earth. But as a follower of Jesus, the longer I live, the closer to the original I'm supposed to look like the more like him I'm supposed to be. And so if age 56, having been saved since I was a teenager, I still looked spiritually and morally and otherwise in my life the way I did all those years ago, something would be amiss. that that as the future unfolds, I'm becoming more and more like Him and so are you if you're following. And if I'm not changing, if you're not changing, if we're not becoming more like Him, it's because somewhere along the way we stopped following. We may go to church, we may be a Christian, but we're not following. Because when you follow Jesus, when you're hanging out with Christ and you're walking where he's walking, doing what he wants you to do, you're changing, you're growing, you're maturing, you're becoming more like Christ. And if that's not happening, you may be coming to church every week, but you're not walking with him. You're not fo- you can't follow Jesus and stay the way you've always been. You just can't do it. If you follow, if you follow with him, change Change comes. It just comes. So let me ask you a question. How how are you right now, this season in your life, not years ago, but right now, how in this season in your life is God changing you? Because, by the way, it's also in the passive. It's in the passive. Something he does to us, I will make you become. It's something he does to us. How is God changing you? How is God refining you? How is he he making you more Christ-like? How is he making you look more like Jesus right now? Hmm. Look at Acts 4.13 in your notes and uh, on the screen. Peter and John are on trial for the, for the Christian faith in Jerusalem. And the Bible says as they observed those who, were, who, who had put them on trial, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. See, when you and I hang out with people, they rub off on us. We know that. The people we hang out with the most influence us to think otherwise is to be naive. doesn't matter if I'm 50 years old or 15 years old. Who I hang out with rubs off on me. Right? You know, what I expose myself to influences me, shapes me. Uh, In my blog, I think it was yesterday, wrote about a young man I talked to this week we got talking about music and he, he told me that he only listens to uh, to uh, 91.9 the contemporary christian station in in Charlotte on the radio now it's all the music he listens to and um he's a single young man he's I don't know how old he is looks about 30 or so and um He said when he listens to country the way he used to, it just reminds him of alcohol and some of the things he used to do, and he doesn't want to be reminded of that because he doesn't want to live that way anymore. And so as he listens to this contemporary Christian music, it just encourages him to think right and live right and do right, and so that's how he keeps himself straight. God uses that. What do you listen to? What do you expose yourself to? I'm not saying there's nothing. There's, you know it's wrong to listen to any other kind of music. But I listen to a lot, a lot of variety, but I tell you what, I listen to worship music. Is the, only, is the only thing you expose yourself to is stuff that doesn't talk about Jesus? How much do you expose yourself to the things of Christ? You know, there's, a, there's another test in, 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 in your box there. It says, list the ways you spend time with Jesus. How do you hang out with Jesus? How do you expose yourself to Christ so He can rub off on you? You're you're walking through life. You're living every day. How do you hang out with Christ so that He can influence you, shape you, change you, grow you? Um, A lot of times in the morning when I'm getting ready, I turn on the television we have cable and I, I turn it to the uh the contemporary christian station the music station and that's what i listen to now monisa likes to listen to preaching i'm a preacher so i don't like to listen to preaching <laughs> we had a we had a nice discussion about this morning she wanted to listen to charles stanley i want to listen to christian music both are okay i just like one better she likes the other one better what do you expose yourself to now, I'll listen to bluegrass and country and talk radio and sports and everything else, but I like to, I like to feed my soul in the morning. What, what do you do to feed yourself on the presence of Jesus every day of your life? I mean, if, if all you do is show up here on Sunday, hey, thank you, I'm glad you're here and it helps, but it's not enough. And if you think it's enough, you're fooling yourself. How, uh, do you read your Bible? Do you pray? How often do you do that? Are you in a Bible study with other believers, where they can check up on you and ask you questions and encourage you and pray for you and challenge you if need be? What do you? How, how are you hanging out with Jesus? So, fo- listen. Following Jesus means He's my Lord, and because I'm hanging out with Him, He's rubbing off on me. me. I'm becoming more like Him, more Christ-like. And then here's the last thing. Following following Jesus means I'm committed to what Jesus is committed to. I'm committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. I care about what He cares about. Notice in that verse when He's invited Peter to follow Him, He said, follow me, and I will make you change you, grow you, to become what? What? Fishers of men. You know why? Because that's what Jesus cares about. He cares about people. Last Sunday, that's what we celebrated. Jesus cares about people. He cares about lost people. When I follow him, I care about what he cares about. When you follow him, you care about what he cares about. The things that are important to him become important to you. One day this week, I was talking to an 80-year-old man at one of our garbage dumps here in New York. What do we call them? Convenience centers? Isn't that a nice word for a garbage dump? 80-year-old man. When I walked up, he was he was talking. By the way, he was talking. I knew he wasn't one who followed Jesus. And By the way, if you think every senior adult follows Jesus, No. There are more senior adults in Rock Hill this morning not in church than in church. You do know that, don't you? The idea that everybody who's old loves Jesus is crazy. It's got nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with your heart. We had a nice conversation. He's a nice guy. But I said, I'm going to hang out here for a little while and talk to this guy. I was eventually able to guide the conversation around a little bit of spiritual stuff in church. And and, uh, he he told me that sometimes when he's up in the country, he goes to a little Baptist church, which means he probably doesn't go very often. And I I was talking to him about church, and and he very honestly said, Well, I don't want to promise you anything I'm not going to do. I hear that a lot. I'd rather be honest to me than lie to me. But but he's 80 years old, so I looked at him and said, Hey, you're 80. Don't you think it's about time you got right with God and got ready to die? I mean, he's already lost him going to hell. Where am I going to run him to? He's 80 years old. He doesn't have much time left. The last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? So when you follow Jesus, you care about what he cares about. When's the last time you had a conversation like that? And we parted on good terms. Guess you're worried. I'll see him again. I'm going to invite him to church again. Jesus said, when you follow me, I change you and you become a fisher of men. He said in Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. That's what that cross is all about. It's just natural when you follow him, you start caring about what he cares about. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups, all races, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe how to do do, how to obey everything I've commanded you. It's not just tell them here's what you're supposed to, but we need to help them learn how to do it. The how to is just as important as the what to. And he said, Lo, I'm with you always to the the very end of the age. See, again, it, it begins and ends with relationship. It's all because we're hanging out with Christ. We have a relationship with Jesus. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, it makes a difference in who you are and what you're about in life. And so I'll put another little test question in your note sheet. What are are the ways? Can you you list ways that you're on mission with Jesus? If I gave you five minutes to write on a piece of paper the different ways that you're on mission with Jesus, what would you put on the piece of paper? Would you have anything? What would you have? And then the follow-up question, what are some ways that you could be, that maybe you're not right now, but what are some ways you could be on mission with Jesus? Well, well, How about starting some of those? Is it Nike? Just do it. How about get after it? Do it. Let me close with this. I'm sure most of you heard about the the tragedy on Mount Everest last Friday when they had the, the avalanche and 16 of those Sherpa guides lost their lives. 13 years ago in 2001, A man named Eric made it all the way to the top of Mount Everest. Now, you need to know that when someone climbs Mount Everest, on average it costs them about $100,000. It's a major financial investment to even try. You also need to know that 90% of the people who try do not succeed. Mount Everest is the tallest peak on planet Earth. It's dangerous, very dangerous dangerous. Only 10% of those who ever try make it to the summit. And most of the ones who die, their bodies are never recovered. Hundreds of bodies still entombed on that mountain today. Very dangerous. But Eric made it to the top in 2001. Here's the interesting thing. Eric since the age of 12 or 13 has been blind. Now how did a blind man do that? Can you imagine? A blind man climbing the most dangerous tallest peak on the planet. Only 90, uh, listen, only 10% of the people who ever attempt to climb Mount Everest succeed. Only 10% make it. 90% fail. He's blind. He made it to the top 13 years ago. You know how he did it? The group that he was climbing with, the person in front of him, on the rope in front of him, wore a bale. And it would ring, and that would tell him. As he, as he listened to that ringing bell, it would tell him the direction to go. Those who were climbing with him, in front of him, and behind him would shout to him, Fall to death, two feet to your right. So he would know which direction not to go. Now, still taking a lot of courage, isn't it? With his pick, when he would thrust it into the ice, he, would li- he, he, he trained himself to listen to the sound of the pick hitting the ice to let him know if where it was was solid enough to hold. This blind man made it to the top because of the way he listened. How, how well are you listening to Jesus right now? How, how focused are you on listening to Jesus as you follow him in life? Are you listening or are you tuning him out because you've heard it so many times before? Are you listening? Or, as the, the New Testament says, have you become dull of hearing? Are you walking around saying, I'm a Christian? Or are you following and listening to Jesus, becoming more like Him, doing the things that He cares about. Are you going up? Are you ascending to the peak as a follower of Christ? Or are you stuck on the side of the mountain somewhere? Let's stand. Father, help us. Help us right now to both hear your voice and obey it. Help us, God. Help us to move. Help us to move in the right direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. You're invited to make decisions for our Lord to respond to his voice that's speaking to your heart now. about It could be about anything. Whatever he talks to you about is important. Some of you need to join this church. Others of you need to come and give your life to Christ. Some of you have a sin that you need to repent of, ask forgiveness for. So let's sing together. And you respond as you listen to